1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike?
3: This is Billy Cox, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff, A production of Pantheon Podcasts.
0: Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff, back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We're part of a vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast network. We're available on Megaphone, Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right. Um, This episode is episode 118. I'm calling this Hair Metal's Twilight Years. Um it's kind of interesting. This kind of goes with a couple of uh, much earlier episodes. Episode 25, we did Go to Vancouver and Try Harder. And in that one we talked about uh big bands are really trying to uh put their put their uh, shoulder into into the wheel, the grindstone as it, as it were and make better albums based on uh hair metal kind of losing its luster and grunge coming in with Nirvana in 1991, um, kind of go down that whole story, how there's this fulcrum shift from Los uh, Los Angeles up to Seattle. And in that episode, we looked at these bands who went, uh, who, who did this go to Vancouver record, maybe with Bruce Fairburn or Bob Rock or whatever. We talked about Aerosmith, The Cult, Motley Crue, ACDC and Poison then we had episode 23 so two episodes earlier mind you uh, that was Hair Metal Goes Grunge and that was uh, again another one of these little reactions uh, to this whole situation um, and this was kind of moving up into the mid 90s where some of these bands kind of uh, abandoned the position as it were and uh, and went with something that, that was trying to uh, go with the times it's like hair metal is definitely not working out grunge is kind of a big thing at this time we're going to down tune we're going to get a little more creative in that one we, we looked at Skid Row, Warrant, Def Leppard, Dawkin, and Kiss. Um so this is an episode that kind of uh fits fits right in there with both of these but it kind of celebrates a situation where uh a- as the as the title says Hair Metal's Twilight Years we have these bands kind of um sticking with what they're doing, but doing a better job of it, but not necessarily going to Vancouver to do it. Um, I did this, uh, I did this hair metal timeline book. It was a really cool book called The Big Book of Hair Metal, and I ended it in 1991. And I often thought, boy, I really should have gone to 92, 93 to celebrate, uh, some of this great music, uh, that was coming out then. Some of these bands from that era were making some of their best music at that point. And of course they're usually on the tail end of their, uh, of their major label deal didn't sell. Um, but you know, we definitely got some good music, uh, from, from this, uh, period. So let's look at a couple of these. Um, I think first I want to go with um, one of these bands that is, uh, is a Heritage Act, and I want them in here to represent, and this is my favorite example of this, but a Heritage Act from the 70s, more or less, um, trying this, sticking with uh, the, the formula and seeing what happens, and we'll talk about a couple other ones, but take a listen to this, first of all. This is Kiss with Spit. <laughs>
3: With a lot of love what well, they'll see but it's plain to see and don't mean me to me yeah. <laughs> <coughs>
0: All right, that was Kiss With Spit. That's from uh, Revenge 1992, produced by Bob Ezrin. Um, who knows what Bob does uh, for these situations, but in this case, I think he's really doing what he does for Deep Purple in the modern era, and that's he's a song guy. He's tearing apart the songs. He's looking at them. He's seeing what works. Um, Kiss, I think, is coming off of two of their worst albums in Crazy Nights and Hot in the Shade. Uh, This is three years later, um, and it's 1992, so all of us, you know, definitely already the bloom is off. But I think what they do with this record, I wanted to pick them because I think they're the best examples of this. I think this is the best Kiss album uh since i mean they haven't done anything better since and uh and going back i mean this and i always had a soft spot for asylum but you know I, I like those those early albums uh uh creatures in the night um animal eyes so those early 80s records but i think i think this record revenge is probably the best record since the golden era of you know Pick whatever you like from the 70s kind of thing. I think they just did a really good job of putting this thing together. It sounds great. It's powerful. It's high fidelity. The songs just kind of get in there and hit you. There's humor. Um, It's just a really well-put-together record. Um, Yeah, we could take it off. Tough Love, God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too, Domino was a bit of a hit off this, Heart of Chrome, Thou Shalt Not, Um, just a really good collection of songs. 12 tracks on it in total um definitely definitely a good album and i wanted to pick it like i say to, to uh, represent the heritage acts and just a quick sermon on on what else everybody else was doing aerosmith is going past pump in to get a grip it's a massive massive album but they don't change because of the grunge thing you could say aerosmith here they are operating in this hair metals twilight years concept um Scorpion's Crazy World, they haven't really changed what they're doing. Sounds like Savage Amusement. Um, Alice Cooper's an interesting case. You had Hey Stupid, uh, but now you've got this The Last Temptation. Um, it's it's a bit of a concept album, but I think, I think you definitely get the spirit of we're going to work really hard and we're going to try to make something a little more intelligent. Um, Ozzy, arguably, you take No More Tears and Osmosis and the, he's kind of doing the same thing he did in the 80s, not with a big difference. But with Ozzy, you do definitely get a little bit of that down tuning and slowing down and 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 a a slight bit of a grungier feel but no one really accuses those albums of being you know particularly grunge albums they're just a little more bottomy i guess is what you would say um all right let's go to our second uh example and we'll discuss this is slaughter with searchin All right, I always had a soft spot for Slaughter, so this is off of their Fear No Evil album, May 2nd of 1995. And what I find, you know, particularly amusing about this is that it really sounds like the slaughter of old, but remember, even, even the wildlife was 92. So I could have even picked wildlife. I, I did uh, give myself a rule here, nothing from 1991. So I wanted to make sure it was, was truly post, uh, you know, grunge hitting in a big way. Um, but even the wildlife is 92 and it, it essentially sounds exactly like the debut stick it to you, stick it to you went double platinum wildlife went gold. Um, and then, yeah, at this point, they're not even on their major label deal anymore. They're down onto CMC. Um, it looks like a real indie. I mean, the, the album cover is not that great. The back cover is just this black and white photo, and the guys are there. Um, but what I like about this album is it it is essentially a good old same old Slaughter. Uh, a little bit of the screechiness and the hyperness in, in Mark's voice and the music is gone. Um, but it is produced by Dana Strum and Mark Slaughter. Um, I picked a song here that's a little more, a little more downscale and bluesy, but there's some usual heavy stuff on here. There's even some cowbell. There's, uh, there's definitely some hair metal. So what I loved about Slaughter is that they are arriving late to the game, and even in '92 they're already past due date, but they do manage to squeak through a gold after the double platinum. And then Fear No Evil, they kind of do the same thing all over again, but it does change a little bit for Revolution, the next one. They, they do, uh, do that little bit of a thing where I could have included them in the, in the heavy metal goes grunge episode. Um, so yeah, so there you go. That's uh, that's Slaughter. Uh, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again here. History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, Episode 118: Hair Metal's Twilight Years. Um, thought I'd uh, stick the word "twilight" in there. It's kind of a cool, dramatic uh, a word to put in here for a title. But uh, let's take a listen to our third example, and we shall discuss. This is the Bullet Boys with "Laughing with the Dead." All right. Bullet Boys loved Bullet Boys. They were one of the bands. I am pretty sure I, I, uh, put them in the episode we did called the next Van Halen because they're produced by Ted Templeman. Um, they definitely got that Van Halen look and sound. Um, the vocals uh everything about them is is kind of van halenish um but uh the interesting thing is um so i, I did rule out like i said i i had a rule for myself no 1991 album so we we went past their debut and then past freak show which is their 91 album but zaza i always love this album um so it's just za-za pretty interesting um, They're still on Warner for this. So, so they're up into 1993 at this point. So it's amazing that they're still on Warner. Um, but I guess that's the deal. They still had another album, but they put, they put together a great record. Uh, this is a really cool record where again, they kind of stick to their guns, but as all these bands do, when they, when they see, you know, the creativity behind grunge and how it's blowing up and there's kind of a heaviness and a grindiness to it, they do try some different things. Um, and there's the hilarious Journey-esque song on here. I can't remember which one it is, but there's a hilarious, hilarious um, you know, song that sounds like Journey on here. When Pigs Flies, a great, uh, cool anthem to kick off. Um, well, maybe not anthem, but it's, it's got some, uh, some really interesting chord changes and stuff in it. Laughing with the Dead is just one of these kind of cool... It's got some neat textures to it. So yeah, Bullet Boys. I I thought Bullet Boys did a really good job of uh, of sticking to the hair metal mandate, while uh, they were always a cut above in quality, anyways. But they maintained that quality through Freak Show and through Zaza. Um. So that was 1993, still produced by Ted Templeman. All right, let's take a listen to our fourth example here. Uh, this is Extreme with Cupid's Dead. <laughs> All right, so extreme is another one of these where, obviously, obviously, they did not uh, do the grunge route. Although waiting for the punchline, I always felt had a little bit of that atmospheric lack of hook, lack of melody, a little more bass, a little more, you know, Nuno's a little crazier on it. Um, Crazy or not in a not in a shred way, crazier just in a, in a like a non-communicative way. I I, I imagine uh, is a good way of saying it. But Cupid's dead is off of their three sides to every story album which is even more meticulous and perfectly pristinely recorded than is pornography um so um three sides to every story came out september 22nd 1992. Pornography is 1990 so already we're getting up into the late uh, years of hair metal but of course um that's their second album they they had a huge hit with it Uh, More Than Words is the big hit off of that album, but uh, I believe, what did this go? I think it might have gone double platinum, uh, and Three Sides, I believe, went gold, um, if I remember correctly. I didn't make notes on it here, sorry about that. Um, But a funny thing about this record is it split up with uh, six, the first six songs are called Yours. The uh, next five are called Mine and then And the Truth, uh, which is sort of a trilogy uh, under the umbrella name Everything Under the Sun. Most people complain about those last ones. They're six minutes, seven minutes, and eight minutes long. It's kind of uh, generally mellow. so a lot of people conveniently look at that and say, well, you could have just left off those songs uh, at the end and it would have been more of a slap bang album. But, um, but really kind of rhythmic, Nuno is really, really funky on this. But the, the thing is, it is so anti-grunge in the production. I thought it would be an amusing, amusing choice. Um, all right. I left the best for last. I can't believe I have not featured this band on History in Five Songs. Love them to death. Uh, Take a listen to this. This is Love Hate with Yucca Man. All right, so, you know most of you have heard me blather on about stuff in the past. Uh, you know that I think, uh, their 1992 album on Sony wasted in America. It's their second album. I think it's one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, hands down. It's the greatest album from the entire hair metal era that starts in 1983. Uh, it's an absolute masterpiece start to finish. It's complicated. It's heavy. It's edgy. It's gorgeously recorded. The riffs are crazy. The bass playing is crazy. Uh, Every song, just over and over, they they try different things, but they're all masterpieces. Um, As is uh, Yucca Man, which you could probably tell even from that short segment. Go play this record. Um, If anything, like a DJ loving his job, I'm loving the job of of hopefully turning a few people on to this second uh, Love Hate record. But the thing is, so Love Hate kind of starts late anyways, um, but people love to death their second album produced by Tom Worman. That's interesting. It doesn't sound like a Tom Worman production uh, but they start in 1990 with blackout in the red room but uh as i say the second album's a stone cold 10 out of 10 the first one's pretty much a 9 out of 10 but the neat thing about this band is i could even pick something off of 1993's uh let's rumble which i think is a really cool album as well um but you know they they've lost their deal with sony and they're down onto rca for that one and then they go into indie land you know with uh like i'm not happy and let's eat and that which are the quality kind of starts to go down a little bit at that point um but certainly the first 3 records are absolute masterpieces let's rumble is a dangerous cool album uh with spinning wheel and the boozer wrong side of the grape man what a great song about drinking um if you believe in miracles like Good mellow stuff from this band as well, but yeah, just just uh, try out "Wasted in America" start to finish. An amazing, amazing uh, band and album. And again, to reiterate, um, they're not doing the grungy thing. Um, they they look like basically they look like a dirty hair metal band. So they look like a Skid Row or a Guns 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 and Roses. You know, the lead singer's name is Jizzy Pearl, right? Um, but um, the cool thing about them is um, they are the perfect example of of a band, um, keeping a lot of the hair metal tropes, but just showing how you, how it could be way better music than it normally was, um, because it literally did not get any better than this record. I mean, I put this up there with the Badlands record, um, from 89, their first one. And speaking of Badlands, in our honorable mentions, um, I almost went with Warrant, um, Warrant's an interesting case because you go from uh, Dirty Rotten whatever it's called um, Dirty Rotten Filthy Stinking Rich and then you get up into Cherry Pie and Warrant is the quintessential hair metal band um, but then they make a slightly heavier smarter album that a lot of people like called Dog Eat Dog and that is from 1992 I believe where's the date on this thing uh, yeah 92 um, and then and then they actually do I did I did uh, feature them i think in the um hair metal goes grunge yeah uh we we played the song followed but they had a couple albums uh, ultraphobic and belly to belly where they did try um try the new music out right and you know and and generally as i said in that in that episode i i think they did uh most of the bands who did try to uh to to adopt some of the tropes of grunge did a pretty good job with it i thought um but you know i went through that album and i thought it's not a lot better. Dog Eat Dog might even be a little overrated. It's not a lot better than uh, than the first two Warrant albums, but they are considered one of the bands that does this um, or has this sort of situation. Let me just grab these. So the um, so the other honorable mention I thought was pretty cool is is Mr. Big. So they're a, they're a late arriving band with uh, with the self titled and and lean uh, lean into it. But then they did have a bump, bump ahead, uh, you know. Hey, man, but you're getting up into these later years. But essentially, they fit this whole thing because they didn't really particularly try to change a lot either. And then later on, they made some of their greatest albums uh, of all time. Uh, you know, they I always rank them with Europe uh, in that respect. And Badlands, um, I left out of here because they would have broken one of my rules. Um, so they had an 89 album, which is a masterpiece. And then they had voodoo highway, which is a masterpiece. Um, but it's 1991 on Atlantic and that's all they did. They just had the two albums, but 91, I figured was a little too, too close to, you know, there's still a lot of hope out for, for hair metal at that point. Um, so I I thought uh, I thought no let's let's get into post uh, you know Alice in Chains being big Soundgarden being around for two or three or four albums maybe not four um, but uh, but yeah all all four of the big four grunge bands are big and then you have other bands like Smashing Pumpkins um, you know from all over the place, Stone Temple Pilots um, so. I wanted to get well into the nineties, but just to show that, that, uh, probably the best hair metal albums, many of the best hair metal albums actually came out in 1991, 1992 and 1993. All right. And it's interesting. Um, you know no one ever says this about grunge no one ever says oh actually you know the the, the where they perfected grunge was in 1997 1998 1999 no the the classics are all from the early or you know a, a, a few years not too many years into grunge and certainly no one really says this about the new wave of british heavy metal either no one's no one's like raving about uh, the very best albums being a perfection of the earlier version of the form you know up into 1983 or 1984 so I thought that was pretty interesting about this hair metal thing. I really do think um, they perfected the form um, late. And and those records are even better than the very exciting early classics from 1983, 84, 85. I, I truly would believe that I could probably pick 10 records from the early 90s that I like more than those records from 83, 84, 85, which is, which is sort of saying something, right? Um, all right. I just wanted to comment a little bit on uh, the last episode, which was the birth of post-punk. Um, a few comments from uh, from faithful listeners. Colston Veer says, excited for this one. Interested in your take on the non-hard rock and heavy metal scenes? It's, it's kind of neat. I always wonder if people like these other episodes. The bleed from the punk and post-punk scenes into the metal story is an interesting one. The DIY shtick and less-than-perfect production aesthetics are two examples. Interesting. I never really thought of much, and I answered them back in this. I, I never Never thought there was much um, crossover from certainly those examples of the bands I played in that last episode. Um, uh, more, more so. Uh, you do hear a little bit in, in say, Killing Joke or a, or a version of post-punk, which is when punk becomes oy and hardcore. That's not exactly post-punk, but it is kind of literally post-punk, if you know what I mean. So, so that does have more bleed over into heavy metal. Um, let's see. Uh, interesting that Martin sees post-punk as an arcane and artsy corner. This is still Colston. Uh, it felt very much mainstream here in the UK in the 80s, all over TV and radio. Metal couldn't buy any airplay. Fair enough. Absolutely true. When you think of, um you know, th- these were actually most of these bands were pretty big bands over there. As was as was punk, and then post punk, and then synthesizer stuff later on, um, new romantics and all that stuff. um But no, it's it definitely what we played was very arcane for any North American audiences. Reed Little says, "Someday I am seriously going to dig into this music. I had friends who lived." for it in junior high and high school but my college years they always universally moved over to industrial music sonically it doesn't seem to have much to do with industrial but I guess there's a similar audience yeah kind of true um, post-punk definitely is has kind of a noisy industrial feel and then as you go on in time you do add uh, all that new technology to it which which will you know bends it industrial I guess one thing about post-punk music is that it instantly sounds of the time to me it's not timeless music it sounds like late 70s or early 80s. I think that's a barrier for a lot of people. Very good point, Reed. Not for me. I remember living those years. Also, I was just getting into metal at the time, so I didn't want anything to do with post-punk unless it was on MTV to which I was addicted. Uh, William Martin says, glad to hear a small mention of Adam and the Ants. Love that early stuff. And that's immediately what came to mind when you brought up tribal drum beats. True, but not really a post-punk band. Too happy. Um, Matthew Kieswetter says, neat thing with magazines shot by both sides is that the chorus... Uh, same chord progression occurs in Lipstick by the Buzzcocks. I'm guessing that DeVoto and Shelley came up with it together. It's pretty interesting. I haven't gone and checked that out. I love checking those things out. Uh, Stephen A. Poshman writes, Full disclosure, haven't listened yet, but the five bands you picked appear to be perfect to describe post-punk! Exclamation mark. That is the sound I think of, though I think Wire belongs in there, but maybe you mentioned them. I, yeah, I think I mentioned them, and they definitely belong. They were. They would have been my number seventh choice after the one Steve Polari just mentions here, Cool. Episode, PIL's first album, three albums, and the live album from Paris are great post punk albums. The drum sound on Flowers of a Romance influenced Phil Collins. I didn't know that. Um, but uh yeah, I I they would have been my sixth choice in that. Joe Becht asks, do the police fit in here? I wanted to put that here to mention that I still I think do want to do a new wave episode. So, Joe, I figured they'll fit in the new wave episode. Um, and yeah, new wave's kind of gonna be a funny one. I mean, I could go new wave. And then I have a decision. Do do I do I keep it UK? Do I do I mix it UK and US? Do I split them up? And then even more interesting to me, because I care more about post-punk than I do new wave, is um, can can I maybe, uh, you know, weave an episode together on post-punk in America? So I might just do that. All right. If you like this show and want to support future episodes, please go to Ko-Fi. with slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button and buy me a coffee or a pint. This week, I would like to thank Joe Becht, Bel Air Expediting. He's our Chicago connection. He's also a patreon subscriber to our contrarians thing so he's been a regular on our shows there he always brings good chicago connected stories uh who do you talk about joe zoetrope trouble um yeah cool trouble stories uh andy at black sugar transmission again uh loved his exposition on queen hot space on our contrarians um patreon episode where we totally deconstructed that album with the whole team it was great there must have been 10 or a dozen of us there um Bruce Campbell, Tim Derling, uh, Tim's got this, uh, this book, he's got a Kickstarter campaign for Unspooled and Adventure in 8 Tracks, um, so check out his Kickstarter on that, he's also a Contrarians Patreon guy, and I've, I've, uh, had him as a guest on Contrarians, we just did a Motley Crue and we've got a, um, what are we doing tomorrow, we're doing Rat, where he talks about, uh, the, uh, Dancing Undercover album, so we're gonna be doing that, so, uh, yeah, Tim, good smart guy in music, Todd Evans, uh, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Darren Kasabowski, Kevin Latham, very generous, take a bow and a break, Kevin, uh, Melissa Nee, Augustine Garcia de Paredes, and David Ria, also, yes, um, very, very generous, David, you're you're good for a while, um, and there you go, um, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs, again, Patience, please, on the Nazareth Visual Biography and the Yes Visual Biography. In COVID times, these things have gotten very expensive and a hassle and a drama to import. Right now, my container that has these books in them is being held up for inspection. And guess what? Uh, Canada Customs is going to charge you for inspecting and delaying uh, your, your shipment. So this has been delayed already by about three weeks. God knows when I'm going to get these books. Um, but yeah, it's gotten to be a real pain um, and and not that profitable doing these uh, visual biographies because it's just so damn hard to get them over here. Uh, there you go. But martinpopoff.com for all that stuff. I'm out of the Van Halen reprint, but I still have the Merciful Fate reprint. In about six weeks, I will have uh, the Merciful Fate, um, uh, the um, uh, Max Webster book back in print and, uh, and more copies of uh, Flame and telepaths Imaginos expanded and specified which I ran out of a long time ago but I'm gonna be getting more of that and uh, in both of those other ones these these last ones coming in six weeks we fixed a bunch of typos and stuff so it's kind of a new file as well um, that I had to do for those. Um, but yeah those those two are coming back in print. That's it for now. Um, absolutely uh, without doubt I think the one thought I want to leave you with uh, with this episode is go play love Hate Wasted in America.
2: at R&R Archaeology.
1: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.
2: And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive
1: looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds is there anything you can take out oh yeah let me just toss all these 20 dollars bills great let me grab you a trash can stop
2: instead of throwing money away move some clothes into a carry-on and here's a better tip from progressive on how not to waste money don't pay too much for car insurance drivers who switch and save could save hundreds progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates potential savings will vary